This is Fantasy Football Yesterday from the Sports Division of Columbia Broadcasting System. Bonus at Klondike 5, 1212. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. If you have a time machine. Now, here's some swell combination of Mr. Azer, Mr. Richard, Mr. Eisenberg, Mr. Cummings, and Mr. Grant. Washington, Jefferson, Roosevelt, and Tomlinson. Today, the Mount Rushmore of fantasy football at each position. Welcome to fantasy football. Yesterday, going back in time to look at 1997 to 2019, who are the four best at each position, not including kicker, of course, or DST, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. I am Adam Azer, and we already heard Jamie and Dave on Fantasy Football yesterday. That was earlier Monday. We're recording this Monday early evening, but you'll hear this on Tuesday. But we bring in Ben Gretsch. Who gave me a very angry email this morning? I hope you're in better <laughs> spirits today. Uh, this later today, Ben. How are you? I'm feeling great. Yeah, I'm awake now. It was <laughs> first thing in the morning. I was reading about how running backs make defenses better, and or, or running the ball more makes teams better, or something. And I, I just didn't know what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, you didn't. That's right. And if you had actually heard what I said, it would have been incoherent, and you still wouldn't have known what I was talking about. <laughs> Well, Dave and Jamie are here, guys. Um, have Have any of you been to the actual Mount Rushmore? No, no, I have. Oh, you have. How was it? Smaller than I would have guessed. It's like way up on a mountain, and they're. Fa- I mean, it's great, but like the faces aren't. I don't know. You You see all these zoomed in pictures. You think their faces are massive, and they're they're far away, I guess, from the viewing area. So they're kind of like smaller than than you picture, in my opinion. I've heard that before. Yeah. Do you think? Would you recommend it? Like, should should we go? I thought it was pretty pretty cool. Yeah. The other the other thing that was interesting is like the faces are up at like kind of on the top part of the ridge of the mountain, and then there's just all this rock below it from when they did it. That's just all there still, just broken rock, and that's like bigger than the faces. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting spectacle when you actually see it. But I, yeah, I thought it was worthwhile. I think it's it's a cool part of the country too to drive around the Black Hills, South Dakota, and everything. So okay, all right, I'm in. You could do that. Well, I do have one big topic to get to before we get into fantasy football yesterday, but Mount Rushmore, guys, uh, was LaDainian Tomlinson the easiest call as your number one running back, or did anybody not have him number one? I did. It was pretty easy. Easiest call. Two top five seasons, including the best season in the history of, or in our era, the you know digital era of fantasy football. Two top five seasons, meaning... For all, all the individual running back seasons from 1997 to, to uh, through 2019, Tomlinson had five of them. Uh, oh, I sorry, had two of them. First. Had two of the top five. Two of the top five. So, what's that, Ben? I said I had Falk first. I was the only one, and I thought that was interesting because I thought it was kind of splitting hairs and you could go either way with it. Um, I, I kind of had two reasons. One, not so important. Tomlinson had way more points, but when you look at points per game, Falk actually had a, a slightly higher points per game average in this span that we're looking at. His whole career uh, didn't fall in the span like Tomlinson's did because he played before 1997. Uh, but I, I had to kind of go back and look at Falk's peak because I started playing fantasy in 1999, but I was 12. I wasn't like a real serious into it. I, I started high school in, I guess, 2002. And so I, I was very much that's when I really got into it. I was very much there for the Tomlinson era. And I remember how dominant he was. And I think he gets bonus points for just uh, what, like I, I graded players a little bit based on 
their average draft positions too. Like the fact that Tomlinson was the number one back. Good for in you, drafts. man. That's what I did too. I think that matters. Yeah, yes. it, it bumped Adrian Peterson for me. Yeah, he never had peak seasons because he didn't catch passes, but we all knew he was a dominant running back at his peak, and we drafted him that way. Um, but as far as Falk and Thompson, I went back and looked. Thompson only was the RB1 one time in that huge season. Um, he finished runner-up a couple of times to, to Priest Holmes' biggest seasons. That's why he has two of the top five seasons. And also, I think, Brian Westbrook's career season. He was a top two back several times. But when you look back at Falks, I had to kind of look back at it. 1999, 2000, 2001, Falk was the RB1 all three years in that peak. And he had more than 100 points more than the RB3 every year. There was, in each of those seasons, another back that was at least good enough to be within 100 points of him. And twice it was Edger and James, and then it was Priest Holmes' first big season with the Chiefs. But Falk was, at that time, so dominant that nobody else in your league, if you had him, could could even really compare and compete with you other than maybe one one other person could have had a back that was somewhat close. But he was typically in those three seasons well ahead of the RB2 as well. But I just I saw that peak and I was like, man, that was even more dominant than LaDainian Tomlinson's peak. And that's what gave me the nod for Falk. Did I screw up? Should it have been Marshall Falk? I think Tomlinson had a longer peak, though. He had yeah. he finished second, 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 fourth, first, and second in six straight seasons. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, but gosh, that, that's that a good gets you point. the biggest. That gets you the biggest head on the uh, on the mountain. Yeah, it's splitting hairs for me. I mean, I don't disagree with you guys at all. All right, all right. Well, we'll get more into that a little bit later. Big topic though. Before fantasy football yesterday, here's fantasy football today, or fantasy football tomorrow. What if Kareem Hunt is much more involved in the running game than he was in 2019? Look, they they sign him. He misses the first eight games. Nick Chubb's rolling. He gets about five carries per game, five and a half carries per game in eight games. But if he's a lot more involved, I don't know that we've discussed that all that much with Nick Chubb. But that's our big topic today, Jamie. Let's expand on that. Do you think that's possible? Could that be something that hurts Nick Chubb's value? And we haven't really uh, you know, investigated that so far. I think we have, but... Yes, it's going to hurt his value. I mean, you have to assume that he's not just going to be a third down back and only a third down back, you know, or predominantly a third down back. I mean, you know, you are talking about a former league rushing champion who will have whatever offseason is available to him, but the same offseason that his teammates will have. So I would hope that he's a bigger part of the offense for Cleveland's sake, um, not necessarily for Nick Chubb's sake, but this is still a team that's going to be very run heavy. And so I think there's enough opportunity for both of these guys. But, I mean, Chubb is um, going to lead the team in carries. He's going to be the one hopefully working in the goal line opportunities and getting touchdown opportunities more so than Kareem Hunt. He's just going to lose in the passing game. So he's a uh, – to me, him and, and Derrick Henry are, are so format dependent, you know, from where they go. Both guys are borderline first-round picks in non-PPR, and in PPR they're mid-second-round picks. Anybody think that Kareem Hunt might take a bigger slice of the pie than people expect? I don't think that happens unless something, uh, unless Nick Chubb regresses. And I don't know if we've seen anything to suggest that that's coming. You know, maybe an injury in training camp could could lead to something like that. But the the Browns really have it great. They've got maybe the best one-two running back combo in the entire NFL. And I suspect they're going to use them. But it doesn't necessarily mean that Chubb is going to lose carries on a weekly basis to Kareem Hunt. There could be a game where, for whatever reason, Chubb's just not feeling it. Kareem Hunt gets going. 
by the end of the game, Chubb has eight carries, Hunt has 15, uh, something like that. But it could also go the other way, and I would imagine it would happen the other way a lot more often because we've already seen it happen that way. And I think Chubb, as as good of a talent as Kareem Hunt is, Chubb's better. And I think the Browns, with their improved offensive line and their their dedication to their run game and, and probably a smarter offense in general, you're going to see both those guys get a lot of work. And there could be a lot of games where both of them are getting 15 touches and Baker's throwing it 20 or fewer times. So I, I think the offense and the way that they're headed is good for both of the running backs. But I'm not ready to say that Kareem Hunt's going to even be you know, in a 50-50 touch. No, not 50-50, but five carries per game, five and a half carries per game last year. Could that be more like eight? Could he take Yeah, yeah it could. Yeah. The, yeah. Adam, this is a way more interesting question you posed than your one on, on Monday morning. I'll just say that. <laughs> no, but I agree completely with Dave. Like, I, I think this could be a set- setup where both of these guys could wind up being very productive in this offense. Okay, and Chubb got right, like, pretty much all the goal line work last year. So if they start splitting that up, I, I mean, I see yeah. scenarios where Chubb is really disappointing. It could happen. And certainly if, if, if the Browns passing game stumbles and they're forced to play from behind, you know, or their defense is bad, whatever, there's mm-hmm. a million ways that that team could be bad, then theoretically that wouldn't be good for Chubb and he would lose work to Hunt, who is better prepared as of now. For the passing game. And even by this is just the one other point I want to make. Even if Kareem Hunt's rushing rush attempt average goes to eight, that's two and a half more carries per game. I think Chubbs could go up two and a half more per game, too, just on the nature of them being run first. Yeah, they were only 22nd in rush attempts last year. Uh, Would you guys rather have Nick Chubb or DeAndre Hopkins? I'm taking Hopkins all day in PPR. I'm going to take Chubb. I think he's undervalued. I'll take Chubb in non-PPR. Uh, yeah, same with Dave. I would take Chubb in non-PPR, Hopkins in PPR. Oh, boy. What about the forgotten format, the best format, half PPR? Half PPR. Chubb. Yeah, I'd probably lean toward Chubb there, too. Specifically because he's a running back, and I'd rather fill that position. Gotcha. All right, Ben, thank you very much for the compliment. I appreciate that. I'm glad this was a great topic. I hope everybody enjoyed it. You same way you're going to enjoy Twitch tonight, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, on our Twitch channel, twitch.com slash fftoday. The biggest one-year wonders, the biggest breakouts, the worst busts of all time, plus your comments, your questions. We get to interact a lot with our audience. Go to twitch.com slash fftoday. And for all of you Fantasy Football Today listeners... Just want to let you know that CBS Sports HQ is now on Pluto TV, which means FFT, the video version, is now on Pluto TV. So if you're a Pluto TV watcher, you can see us talking fantasy there at noon Eastern all week long. Check us out in the sports section on channel 459. All right, let's do Mount Rushmore. Good plug. Good plug. Thank you. Jamie's all about HQ. He is 90% about HQ, 10% podcast. Is that fair? That's so false. Eighty twenty. 99% 80-20. 80-20. Okay. All right, Mal Rushmore at quarterback. So we each had to submit our top six, the four of us plus Heath. Did Chris Towers submit? Yes. Draggy B? We had seven people do it. Okay. So a lot of people do it, and then Chris Towers tallied up the votes, and here's what Mount Rushmore looks like. Peyton Manning. Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, 
Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Did anybody have anything other than those four in that order? In that order? I didn't have that order, but I had those four. What were your orders? Everybody had those four. I had that, had I had that exact four. order. What did you guys have? Azer, have you not looked at the the results that are compiled? I, I have, but I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm I'm, to send them to you right now. I so want the, you to say it. I don't want to say it. The consensus, <laughs> Mount Rushmore, is in this order. Manning, Breeze, Rogers, Brady. Yeah, I know. I just said that. Yeah, and everybody had those four, but they were in different orders. <laughs> I want to know what your order was because that was my order. My order oh. was just flip-flopping uh, Brady and Breeze. I'm sorry. My, no, my order there. My Manning, Breeze, Brady, Rogers. Okay. Flip flopping Rogers and you Brady. You flipped Brady and Rogers. Yeah, yeah, I, I flipped Breeze and Manning at the top and Brady and Rogers. I was with you, Jamie, on that. I had Breeze at the top. I mean, he was so good for fantasy for so many years in that Saints offense. But I can see that the case for Manning, too. I struggle with it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I didn't think that hard about it. I just knew which four quarterbacks I wanted in there and basically just listed them haphazardly but Manning was first for me then Rodgers both of them had two top 10 seasons all time I think they were the only two quarterbacks to have that Brady was next with two top 12 seasons Brees had three top 15 seasons in the digital era but Peyton had the the all-time best year I think that means something Rodgers has four top 17 seasons I, I don't really care what order they're in as long as they're all on the mountain and at least uh, for now, in, well, in the era we're talking about, because 2020 is not included, Manning's the only quarterback to be great with two teams. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. He had, Peyton Manning had three number one finishes. He had the best overall season. He had six straight top three finishes. But Drew Brees also had three number one finishes, and he had nine straight seasons finishing top three. He finished top three in 10 out of 11 seasons at one point. He was unbelievably consistent. Uh, I think, you know, let's just, just to have a little controversy, just to spark it up a little bit, Jamie. I think Tom Brady ahead of Aaron Rodgers is absolute poppycock. And you should be ashamed of yourself. Um, okay. Justify it. <laughs> Justify. Oh, coming out swinging. Why did you put Brady ahead of Rodgers? I mean, I, I think Dave said it best. These, are are you debating which president was better on on the map? Oh, I debate that all the time. I debated <laughs> that on Zoom the other day with with random yeah. people. You should you should probably uh, go do that right now instead of hosting the show. Can we get Mike right back? Um, I think uh, I think they're all they're all a class above everybody else. So sure, you want to put Rogers ahead of Brady? I'm not going to fight you. The only position where we were so universally in agreement with the four names that should be on this list. Yeah, there really is no other. Clear-cut candidate. You can make arguments for a couple of guys, but yeah. they really don't hold comparatively to these four. Seven uh, different guys filled out our, our fifth and sixth spot across the, the seven of us. None of us were, were really even consistent with who we thought should be fifth after, after these top four guys. Yeah, Culpepper was the only quarterback that had three consecutive number one finishes. So yeah, I looked at him. Um, I went with Favre as my fifth, which no one else seemed to pick. I don't think anyone else had in their top six, but no. like he was good for a while. <laughs> I don't know. He was good in like ninety seven, ninety eight at the beginning of this of this span. Uh, Aaron Rodgers finished top two in six out of seven seasons. The only exception, he got hurt. He played nine games in two thousand thirteen. He finished top two overall in seven of nine seasons at one point. 
Brady only had one number uh, one number one finish. Uh, so anyway, the uh, order was Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. That's your Mount Rushmore and four of the all-time greats. Well, I think one thing that's interesting we should discuss is who, who gets knocked off. Like who does Mahomes knock off if he stays? Mm. If Brady. he stays on the. Because Brady, I mean, that makes more sense. How do you how do you not have Brady on the Mount Rushmore though? Okay. Like I get it statistically, maybe he doesn't compare. Never, I answer the question. Yeah, yeah, right. I know, but tough to not have Long, him longevity on matters though. All time greatest list, but he's, I, I, he's a little overrated because, like, it, from fantasy standpoint, because I'm I put down I wrote down where Tom Brady finished from 2001 to 2019. I'm just gonna say the numbers: 22, 8, 11, 10. Two, seven, one, injured. Seven, six, three, three, fourteen, eleven, two, twenty-one, three, eleven, fourteen. Not that good. That was pretty damn good. It's Who's just imitating good me over the there, Jamie? I have a baby in here. <laughs> Put him on the mushroom. Time to say hi. Hi. It's My two year old. Yeah. That's awesome. Say hi, Adam. Hi. Say hi, Dave. Hi. Say hi, Ben. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yes. Okay. Now say bye bye. Go. Go go go. No totally. No no no. No totally. All right. Bye bye. Okay. But anyway, let's move on to running backs here. And the Mount Rushmore for running backs was Ladanian Tomlinson, Marshall Falk, Priest Holmes, and Adrian Peterson. Interesting. I didn't think Peterson would get on there, but it is Tomlinson, Falk, Holmes, and Peterson. Dave, what do you think? I think Tomlinson, Falk, and Holmes are obvious. I think they are all absolutely deserving. Uh, Tomlinson and Falk, I don't think anybody's going to give any pushback on. Holmes didn't necessarily have longevity, but he did have some amazing years, two top ten seasons uh, in Kansas City. He also had a decent year, not a great year, but a decent year in Baltimore before he finally broke out with the Chiefs. And Adrian Peterson, honestly, he deserves to be up there. There's no question about it. But there are a lot of other running backs that that could make that fourth spot. And maybe if you just don't believe in Priest Holmes or don't think his longevity, um, his lack of longevity warrants a spot, then maybe the maybe it's up for grabs with the other two spots up there. But I, I think I think Peterson, the, the case is pretty obvious. He's been playing great for a high level. He's still playing great. And um, yeah, I, the other guys that I was looking at, McCaffrey made mine, two top 15 seasons, including the second best all time. Todd Gurley, Edron James, I think those guys have, have certainly shown that they've been great for fantasy as well. I, I just I think the case for longevity warrants um, more consideration for Peterson, which is something I didn't think of when I handed in my list. Yeah. It, so, well, Ben, you had Peterson third. I didn't even have Peterson in my top six. No, I had him fifth. You're looking at Ben Schrager. Oh. I was going to say it's really interesting that Dave said that <laughs> Each of those three uh, guys were locks. And Priest Holmes, uh, I thought, was a lock as well. And I had him third, as did all, all of us on this call, but um, on this pod. But Heath had Priest Holmes fifth, and Schrager and Towers didn't even rank Priest Holmes. Dude, he have him in the top that, six. That's insane. And Heath has Frank Gore for like, what? I guess we should. I, I said it to ours. As long as no one put Frank Gore on their list, and of course it was Heath. <laughs> you know what? Let's get Shraggy B on because I need to know how you leave Priest Holmes, who Dave said two top ten seasons. He means top ten overall, not like top ten finishes. 
uh, he, he had three top two finishes, three straight years as number one or number two running back, and just some of the biggest, most monstrous seasons you've seen from running backs. Shraggy B, what are you doing? Priest Holmes not even That's in it? your top six? You kidding me? That's all he had. He did two and a half good years, maybe three good years. That's it. That's not enough for me for the Mount Rushmore. Oh, three great years. But you, uh, but, but the, you put Christian McCaffrey on. How could you make that argument then? <laughs> McCaffrey wasn't in my top four. But he's still on your, but you still have him on your list ahead of Holmes. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. But <laughs> a top four should not include Priest Holmes. Wow. I mean, Gregor, I hate to do this because I'm I'm a young guy too. But when were you born again? Oh, the start of the fantasy football era. Yeah, so you my, were like five when Priest Holmes was good. That wasn't right? my son Simon. That was actually Ben Tracker talking. About. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Priest Holmes, well, the the longevity versus peak thing is always an interesting debate. And how did you guys handle that? Because I feel like if you're putting people on Mount Rushmore, it's not like, well, he had a long tenure and he was really solid throughout it. It's like, no, these are the, the OGs. Like, these are the best of the best. They have to have some of the best seasons. Well, was, I, I, I did that by position, too, because I think um it matters by position and what am i looking for in my running back i was looking for peak and running back in particular was the one where i said i'm not going to consider longevity that much um and whether that comes to holmes i put mccaffrey fourth because mccaffrey already had in 2019 one of the all-time great running back seasons and that to me already pushes him into the because like no running backs have longevity i mean falk and tomlinson did and 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 gore and Peterson, but like just what Gore did over 15 years, it's incredible, but it's it's not great for fantasy necessarily. All right. So all three of us, as Ben said on this conference call, all three of us <laughs> had Tomlinson, Falk, and Holmes one through three in some order. Ben had Falk one. Who did we all have four? Ben had McCaffrey. Dave, who did you have four? I had McCaffrey. I had McCaffrey. Jamie, you had? Peterson. Peterson. Okay. Were you at all like uh, thinking I can't put Peterson in in, in PPR? Because I think if this were a non PPR Rushmore, he'd be there. But I don't know about PPR. No, I think Ben said it about Peterson before in regard to he met expectations. So whether he wasn't whether he was drafted one and finished seven, it was a good seven. Or gra- you know drafted one and finished five. He 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 delivered more times than not based on what the expectations were for him. So I think while he didn't have a dominant season in PPR, he had enough good seasons and put him at least he's going to be the one that gets knocked off from McCaffrey if this continues. You know, if McCaffrey continues, I think that's easy to to say. But I don't think right now McCaffrey has earned has done enough to say he's on a Mount Rushmore of running backs in his era more so than Adrian Peterson. It's interesting because if you look at just PPR points for a full season. McCaffrey has the second best season since 1997, and he has the 15th best season. 2018, he was 15th. I think Peterson's best season, he was like 40th in terms of total PPR points. Yeah, he never had that receiving upside, right? Like when you look at his best season, even when he ran for 2,000 yards, it wasn't an all-time great season, but he was so consistently good. We kept drafting him in the first round every year, and that mattered to me too, like Jamie said. Okay. Uh, any other players you want to mention? Well, Ben and I clearly have the best list because we have the same name on this list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we both had Edron James as our six. I thought he was a really interesting one compared to like Arian Foster, who was like my honorable mention number seven. James' peak overlapped with Falk's peak, and I mentioned that Falk was 100 points better than 
the RB3 in two of those seasons. James was the only guy in 99 and 2000 that was even comparable to Marshall Falk. So he never, I don't think, was even the RB1 in a given season. But that still says kind of a lot about how good James was because he was really a lot better than everyone not named Falk for those couple seasons. Only an idiot would put Foster on the list. Why? <laughs> I just knew I had him on my all-decade team. So no, I'm just kidding because you're the only person that did it. Okay, he, he's he's obviously in the conversation. I mean, he had some great seasons. He was what fifth or sixth? He was fifth, and actually, LeSean McCoy was I the only one who had McCoy in the top six? Uh, no, Ben Tracker, but that's because he saw him when he was two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, McCoy kind of the sustained excellent. Yeah, Ed should probably be on there over McCoy. All right, wide receiver is really. This is the one that's going to turn over the most. Yeah. I think. Well, you got two guys locked in, running back. Like, if you got two locked in, and then you just kind of say, okay, McCaffrey can get there. Maybe Kamara can get there. Uh, you know, some of these guys that are Zeke, uh, Zeke, Barkley, if, if he, right. Yeah. You know, they, they can, they could, if they have sustained success in some big seasons. I mean, if McCaffrey does anything close to what he's done in each of the last two years, one of those two seasons. He's already he, he's already there for where you guys have him, and I think for me too. He, he, and he that's why him. I put him there. It was kind yeah. of like a pick for the future. Yep, I guess because as, as he's been great so far, and, and I don't see it slowing down at all. Yeah, like you didn't need to see four years of George Washington's presidency to know that he deserved to be on Mount Rushmore. Oh, no, as soon as only... he chopped down the cherry tree, I was good. <laughs> yeah, he was the only president at that point, so it was an easy call. But <laughs> they just decided to build a Rushmore because yeah. they, they built it with just too. him at first. People don't know that <laughs> they kept adding three people. Out, you know. Um, all right, wide receiver. I I think this is very interesting. I think you guys. I think we got it wrong here, personally. Uh, Easily the most interesting position. The the wide receivers about Rushmore are, in order: Randy Moss, Antonio Brown, Marvin Harrison, and Calvin Johnson. Randy Moss, Antonio Brown, Marvin Harrison, and Calvin Johnson. And three of us have Antonio Brown number one. So how did Randy Moss end up number one? Because Ben Gretsch plus Ben Schrager, Chris Towers, and Heath Cummings all had Moss number one. Um, but yeah, yeah, Brown versus Only one Moss. of us had Randy Moss number three. Yeah, that was me. And actually, as I was doing my little bit more research today before the show, I realized I actually screwed up. I should have had Marvin Harrison number one. Because uh, I'll, give you the, I'll give you the numbers. Marvin Harrison... Had four straight number one finishes and five total. That cannot be beat. Four straight number one finishes, five total in PPR. That's why he should be number one. I actually put Brown one instead of Harrison, but that was foolish of me. All right, so so Ben, you put Randy Moss one. Why over Brown and Harrison? It wasn't. It was close. And I, it, this is kind of like what Dave said, where he didn't really think a lot about how he ranked the top couple at wide receiver. I was just trying to figure out how to cut down my list because at first I had like 13 names and I was, you know, was considering a lot of guys. But I, I landed on Moss and I'll, I'll go back to something that Jamie said with Peyton Manning and how he was productive on two different teams. I, I, I just kind of focused on how good he was with the Patriots in 2007. You already talked about that on the, uh, the best uh, seasons draft. You really wanted him in the first round, but then you also think back to how good he was in 98 and 99 and 2000 and 2001. You talked about how Dante Culpepper was a QB, the overall QB won three straight years. That was because of Randy Moss. So he was just really sustained good or, or great with the Vikings. And then also had the best season ever on an entirely different team. Yes. There's that lull with the, with the Raiders, which is maybe is the reason why you would say he can't be number one over some of these more consistent guys like you just noted, Harrison. 
but I think the fact that he was that good and that dominant on multiple ro- rosters and, and a decade apart, I don't know, man. He was he was pretty he was something special for sure. Yeah, just he didn't have as many number one finishes as Brown or Harrison. I don't know. I really don't know what the case is. I think you guys really screwed I think, up. I think you should apologize. <laughs> no. Um, the thing I think is, you, you know, these guys that are touchdown dependent, it hurts them a little bit. Like who? Like Randy Moss? Moss, Calvin Johnson. You know, that that was like we had this conversation today. Michael Thomas and Calvin Johnson were, you know, like 30 points apart in their best seasons. And Thomas, nine touchdowns, but 149 catches. And Calvin Johnson's best season, he had 96 catches. Yeah, that's best a great season, point. Best fantasy season. He, he may have had over 100 catches, I don't remember. But uh, 96 catches and 16 touchdowns that season. So, you know, like I asked Dave in just the conversation about having uh, uh, to pick a receiver. Like if you knew this guy was getting 120 catches but eight or nine touchdowns versus this guy you know is getting 15-plus touchdowns but you getting under 100 catches, like what would you, what would you take? And I, I and Dave, you know, said what I think is the right answer that you lean toward the catches because at least you know that's sustainable. Um, I think that that hurts, you know, these guys that don't consistently get a hundred plus catches. That's how I play when I look forward. I, I lean towards the catches and the yards always. But when I was looking back, and I did this with our draft as well, like I know that this guy scored sixteen or, or yeah. in Moss's case, twenty three touchdowns, and I was leaning way more. I thought that was interesting actually when I did the draft. I was leaning way more towards these huge touchdown seasons that I never thought were sustainable, but I also marvel that. Yeah. And, you know, it's such a shame for Calvin Johnson because his best season, you have to say, not in terms of fantasy points, but 2012, he had 122 catches, 1,964 yards, and somehow five touchdowns. Yeah, that was, was that the year he fell yep. down at the one like 100 times? Yeah. Yep. I mean, if that's a 10-touchdown season, then he— the best season ever. Probably All-time yeah. receiving yardage record, but he still didn't even have his best fantasy season because he scored so few touchdowns. That's right. crazy. All right, so Dave, what did you think of, of this Mount Rushmore? It was Randy Moss, what did I say, Antonio Brown 2, and Harrison Marvin Harrison. Three, Calvin and, 4. Yeah, and Calvin Johnson also that, that, receiving That was my top four. Exactly in that order? No, I had, I had Brown ahead of Moss. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'd stick right. with that, though, um, because Moss did have that amazing year with all those touchdowns, and he was great for most of his time in the NFL. A.B. was, too. And the one thing that I remember about Antonio Brown was how consistent he was. I think somewhere in the neighborhood of like 70 or 80 percent of the time he played, he gave you 10 points in non 15 in PPR. Like he was he was outstanding once he finally broke out in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. He had five straight top three finishes, six straight top five finishes, three straight top one or number one finishes. Mm -hmm. Marvin Harrison with four straight number one finishes, as I mentioned. So it seems like in some order of Brown, Harrison, Moss. That's kind of like Tomlinson, Holmes, and Falk. So who was everybody's number four? It was Calvin Johnson on the consensus Mount Rushmore. Jamie, who yeah. was your number four? Oh, ben. Uh, all of us is Calvin Johnson number four. Oh, how about that? I had a hard time with Calvin Johnson and Owens. And and this is where I went to that tiebreaker of ADP where I, I remember, you know, just kind of thinking back to the eras. Calvin Johnson was every year the number one receiver we took. Right. Like and there's a reason for that. He was that good. Uh, Terrell Owens maybe never really was that. He played in the Moss and Holt and Harrison eras where all those guys were the top names. Right. And and Owens maybe was the, the number one receiver a couple of times. But 
typically was more like the number two or number three receiver we had drafted. No, he, he was had never number one. I don't think I don't think he ever finished number yeah, one. Finished he maybe two, never was. But two and he, three, five times. He's another guy who was so good across so many different teams. You know, he was good at the Eagles. He was good late in his career with like the the Bills and the Bengals. Um, did he play with the Bengals? Am I making that up? I yeah, mean, he, he played did. with everyone. Yeah. The Niners and the Cowboys earlier, obviously. I mean, he was a, a truly dominant receiver, obviously. But uh, I had a hard time with that. And I know Heath and, and Chris Towers both put him in their top four. And it was close for that fourth and final spot. And I think it should have been. Now, Ben Trager uh, said that he took Calvin Johnson because he thought it was uh, Megatron from the Transformers. Because he played <laughs> with them as a kid. So he was looking for Optimus Prime, but he couldn't find him. Yeah, and... And a guy who didn't get the touchdowns, but I, I looked at all the all the like I, I took what I considered the prime years of all of these great wide receivers, and in terms of yards, Julio Jones beat them all, but he just never scored touchdowns. Yep. Which that was, was a deciding factor for me. Was he didn't score enough touchdowns? If we're looking back to say he was that good at, at fantasy, Go, going into uh, 2018, I think he had a record for like the most games averaging 100 yards receiving. If 2014 to 2019 is Jones's prime, he averaged 1,633 yards per season. Randy Moss, in his what I considered his prime, he kind of had two, but his first one, he averaged just under 1,400 yards, like 200 and almost 240 yards fewer per season than Julio Jones. Uh, Julio Jones is amazing, but he averaged six touchdowns in those years. 2000. What do you think Antonio Brown would have done last year, full year with Brady or full year with Carr? It would have been better with Brady than with Carr. Um, I I was bullish on him, especially with the Patriots. 1,300 yards, 1,400 yeah, yards? Yeah, I think he could he have gotten scored, pretty close. 10 touchdowns? He could have gotten pretty close, yeah. Yep. Uh, it's really hard to say. He The one game I saw him, that Dolphins game, he looked great. Like He looked fast, he looked great, but it's, you know, it was the Dolphins. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? I think he would have been close to, you know, the numbers that we were just talking about. You know, it's hard to say because, you know, he was so dominant in Pittsburgh. But, you know, he could have had the Randy Moss effect of going to different team, great quarterback, and, you know, and he still might. You know, he's, he's young enough where he can still latch on with a team potentially and, and have another great season. I, I, I'd bet against it, but it could happen. Here's a pretty fascinating bit of trivia about uh, our ranks here. And I struggled with this guy, but none of us, all seven of us, ranked the player who scored the most fantasy points, the wide receiver who scored the most fantasy points in this era. Really? Yeah. None of us even put him in our top six. You guys know who it is? Demarius Thomas. Cumulative fantasy points? Yeah, most cumulative. Demarius? Fitzgerald. Yeah. Oh, Fitzgerald. That's a much better guess. Yeah. It was Fitz, and none of us even got him into the top six. I mean, he was on the on the cusp for me. I went with Holt over. He wasn't even drafted in the ultimate fantasy draft. Yeah, his his peak season is wow. just more of a longevity guy. His peak seasons weren't necessarily that amazing. Hmm. Wow. And uh, well, we said this on the Monday episode, but Beckham was not drafted, but I uh, was not on the Mount Rushmore or anything. But I thought it was amazing that he had the most fantasy points per game. Uh, in his rookie season of any wide receiver in this era. He only played 12 games, but most per game. That's pretty impressive. Then we bought him, we bought you his jersey, and he's been downhill already. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tight end. Here we go. What's uh, what's the Mount Rushmore looking like at tight end? I have so many notes here. You Sorry. know who's first? It is Rob Gronkowski. Well, who... <laughs> for everybody except for two. 
<laughs> Rob Gronkowski, one. Tony Gonzalez, two. <laughs> Jimmy Graham, three. Antonio Gates, four. Also receiving votes, Kelsey, Witten, and George Kittle. So, Gronk, Gonzalez, Graham, and Gates, you have to have a G at the beginning of your last name to be on Mount Rushmore. Uh, okay, take it away, guys. What do you want to talk about with tight end? That's good news for Noah Gant and TJ Gockinson. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think it's obvious with Gronk being on there because he just completely changed the position. But before he could change the position, Tony Gonzalez changed the position. And it did not to slight Antonio Gates because he was pretty damn amazing himself. But those two for sure, it, it's almost funny because you've got Gronk and Graham. You can call them one and one A. When they were both running hot, they were just unstoppable in fantasy. Gronk just a little bit more than Graham. And then Gonzalez and Gates, when they were playing at the same time, uh, it was close for a while. I think maybe Gates may have pulled away, but they both seemed to be you know, at the top of the top for tight ends when they were both playing. I think you guys are wrong about Gronkowski. Oh. <laughs> you ranked him third. Explain yourself. <laughs> I ranked him third. Okay, so Tony Gonzalez was the number one tight end in fantasy five times out of six seasons, and the five ADP times overall. Was lower than what the other ADP? No, was. no, no. This has nothing to do with ADP. From 1999 through 2004 or five, he was number one, number one, number one, number two, number one, and number one. And unbelievable. Those tight ends were run. terrible. Okay, he didn't score as many points as Gronk and Graham, but he dominated the position for six straight seasons and really for like nine straight seasons. So Gonzalez was an easy one for me, and I don't think I'm going to get too much pushback on that, even though Chris Towers and I were the only ones who had Gonzalez one. I understand why I had Gronk three and Graham two, why you'd push back on that, but I just felt like I had to be consistent because I had Graham as my all-decade team tight end uh, over Gronk. Because Gronk had some more bad seasons because of the injuries, and uh, it was just like it was—it was so close. Did you ever at any time draft Graham over Gronk? I doubt it. But that was the thing. Like <laughs> Gronk would let you down because he would get hurt too much. So th- I had Graham over Gronk, and Graham, but like Gronk just had the best season ever. So. Just admit you're wrong. And you feel no. So. I, I admit, admit I was it. wrong about, admit about, about admit Harrison over it. And Brown. No, I, I admit it. This conference calls over. <laughs> <laughs> like Gronk has the best season ever. Graham has the second best season ever. But Gronk has the best season ever by a lot. It's true, but by a lot. If you care about this, his best season was only thirty-five fantasy points better than tight end two that year. Graham's best season, he was eighty-eight points better than tight end two. What do you think about that? Sucker. Yeah, he was dominant that one year. I had him that year, and Graham was like the cheat code that year. And and he was good for the whole. He had four years, five years with the Saints. Four years of it, he had top thirty seasons for a tight end in this span. And his 2011 and 2013 are second and fourth in this span at the position. So he he had four really great seasons. But the argument for Graham is peak because he after that stretch, after he left the Saints, he has never really been that much of a difference maker. And the argument for Gronk is also peak, and Gronk's peak, I think, was higher. Even though he was hurt, every time he was on the field, he was good. It wasn't like – see, Graham wasn't good when he went to other teams. Like, Graham he's had, been all right. Graham had four straight years as a top two tight end. Gronk yeah, not. Yeah, drafting first this year, Gronk or Graham? <laughs> <laughs> Gronk, I'll take Tony Gonzalez. 
Gonzalez's longevity is, is crazy. How do you guys I, I, like you have no justification for having Gronk over Gonzalez? I think you were just like, oh, Gronk's the best tight end ever. I'm going to put him up there. But in terms of fantasy, you know, I'm right about this. Gonzalez should be one. No, no. Gronk <laughs> has two of the all time top 10 seasons at tight end, including number one, three top 10 based on fantasy points per game, including number one. He's done it. He's he's proven to be literally the best according to multiple definitions. Yeah, I mean the the Gonzalez case is that he was playing at a time when when tight end scoring wasn't as good, right? But I also think it's fascinating that across seventeen seasons he missed two games. He played sixteen game seasons fifteen times, and he played fifteen game seasons twice. He never played fewer than fifteen games. He caught seventy balls fourteen times. He went over eight hundred yards thirteen times. He scored at least five touchdowns fourteen times. And he also, you know, went over 90 catches five times and went over 1,000 yards four times and went into double-digit scores three times. But that that's part of it. It's like, okay, yeah, it's, it's 17 years, and he was really, really consistent, but he only went over 1,000 yards four times. He only went over double-digit scores three times. I'm pretty sure Gronk went over double-digit double scores more than that, even though he was never healthy. He's not he even would... the best Chiefs tight end. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, again— Number one, number one, number one, number two, number one, number one. Six years, five times number one. I Like, he played – they score more points now than they did back then. And they score more points in, you know, in the early 2010 decade than they did in, in Gonzalez's time, I yeah, think. Yeah, so Gronk, Gronk matched his 4,000-yard seasons, even though he only played 15 games four times. And he had five double-digit touchdown seasons. Uh, Gonzalez and all that longevity only did it three times. You know what? I'll let no you know. one is agreeing with you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel bad for you guys. I'm trying to help here. Do you ever hear everybody say, I want to see the Gonzalez spike? No, you want to see the Gronk <laughs> spike. What's wrong with you? Uh, well, I will definitely say Gonzalez a better analyst. No pushback there. Let me ask you this. He's no wit. You can though. spend an hour listening to one of them talk. Who would you rather listen to talk? <laughs> Tony Gonzalez. That's not what? Even, that's not even close. Get out of here. All right. So who's number four for you guys? If Gonzalez was still at CBS, I would have voted for him first. <laughs> who's number four for you guys? Gates. Kelsey. Yeah, this is a good How discussion. I have Gates on the list. I had Kelsey too. Gates is a good five. That's that's what I had too. This was decided by just two points. It was very close in the in the votes. I had Gates as well, but this was really really close for the final spot. Wow, Heath had Gates. I want to hear why do you, why do you have Kelsey over Gates? I want to hear it, Jamie. It's kind of the McCaffrey argument. I think he's done enough already though to to prove that he's uh, one of the best of the best, top three season overall um, in terms of tight ends. Uh, you know, Graham has a better second season than Kelsey's first, but. Those three, Gronk, Kelsey, and and Graham, uh, only three tight ends in this era to average 18 and a half PPR points per game in a season. Um, I, I just think he's he's put himself on that plane already. So uh, while Gates has a better longevity, clearly, um, I think Kelsey's done enough in his, his time with his, I think, what, three finishes as a, a number one tight end um, to uh, to put himself there. So it's close. I, I, I certainly could uh, – can can take Gates over over Kelsey um, for the consensus. I see why you guys did it. I believe in PPR he has been the number one tight end four straight seasons, and that is why four straight seasons. Okay, so in PPR, yeah, there was one year I think where Gronk was better than him in non PPR, but he was better in, in full PPR. But um, Adam, if you're gonna give Gonzalez the nod because of the era he played in, 
I mean, Gates from 2004 to 2010, he caught at least eight touchdowns every year. Mm -hmm. Back when it was a touchdown or bust position, for seven straight years, he caught at least eight TDs. He was the only. How many of those years did he have at least 900 yards? Probably a lot. Yeah. How (laughs) many times did he have? How many times did he have 1,100 yards or a thousand yards? You know, like he's had over a thousand yards twice. He's had double-digit touchdowns four times. Kelsey's had four thousand-yard seasons. They've been consecutive. Yeah. Only once has he had ten. Double-digit touchdowns. He had ten in twenty eighteen. Well, who has scored more points? Because because he's because Kelsey has more number one finishes. And I think yeah, because Gates is playing the same era as Gonzalez, but he was still the clear number two several times. I think. Um, Do you know who gets credit for Antonio Gates's NFL career? Philip Rivers. Pete Prisco. Oh, Prisco gets it. So because he convinced him. Yeah, I know this the is story. a story Pete yeah. has told uh, many many times that. He so we used to cover. Uh, I did this once. Pete did it a, a billion times. Um, we used to cover the NCAA regional tournaments. Um, the first, the first. I'm sorry, the NCAA tournament. We would cover the, the the first round. They would send everybody that we had basically to to cover the first round of the NCAA tournament. So Pete was covering Kent State, and he saw Antonio Gates, and he he went over to him after the game and said, "You should play tight end." And Gates was like, "Really?" And he said, yeah, you have a body for a tight end. You're not going to make it in the NFL. You're a small power forward. Go play in the NFL. And so Pete, every time he says, every time he sees Antonio Gates, he tells him, where's my check? <laughs> mm, never works. That's a good one. Uh, Kelsey's best season was better than Gates' best season. Kelsey's second best season was slightly better than Gates' second best season, almost the same. Like I said, Kelsey's the best fantasy tight end ever for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the Gronk and Gonzalez argument. You're just making it backwards. But you just made the other other side of the argument. No, because it, it, I also have the number one finishes argument supporting me in both cases. Uh, basically, I'm just destroying your argument. Well, you chose Kelsey over Gates. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm arguing about right now. None. <laughs> I don't know what point I'm trying to make. I don't know anything. <laughs> uh, and then Gates num- was tight end two. From 2004 to that stretch I talked about, tight end two, tight end one, tight end one, tight end three, tight end four, tight end three, Mm -hmm. and tight end three. So he was only tight end one twice, but he was top four every season for seven straight years. That's pretty great, but it's not as good as being number one four straight years. (laughs) I think I'd probably go uh, Gates in non-PPR, Kelsey in PPR. That's fair. That's actually, I'll, I'll agree with that. All right, finally. And then who was six in the consensus? Was it Witten? Yep, Witten, and then a couple votes for Kelsey, or Kittle. Yeah, those are bad votes. Ridiculous votes. Jamie and Dave were the well, ones. The only reason you voted for, for Witten is because you like him as an analyst. <laughs> <laughs> you want to pull sad. a rabbit out of your head. Jason Witten was really good. He was really good. At playing football? Yes, at playing football. Yes. <laughs> I should have clarified. All right, those are your Mount Rushmore's, ladies and gentlemen. What do you want to see for Monday Night Football? You got a new crew coming. Oh, it hasn't been determined yet? Uh, no. Okay. Who do I want to see for Monday Night Football? Gronk. <laughs> a little late for that. Chris Collinsworth can do every game as far as I'm concerned. He's the best. Wow. Going outside your own network. Look at you. <laughs> I think. Hold on. I the, just two, make... the two leading candidates that I've heard are uh, Lou Riddick. 
That's who I was going to say. I like oh, him. He's great. I love him. And Kurt Warner. Would also, also be a good pick. What about play by play? Who do play by play? Uh, Steve Levy, I think, is the name, is the guy for. Oh him. no, it shouldn't be him. It should be Kevin. I Goldberg. liked watching him on XFL. He's, I mean, he's. So I cool. think it should be Chris Hassel and Brady Quinn. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kevin Burkhardt With is my Pete Frisco on the sideline. My underrated announcer. He is so good. I'd like to see him. Get we have Charles Davis now. Speaking of Kevin Burkhardt. What about Charles Davis? He's a CBS broadcaster now. Excellent, an mm-hmm. excellent addition. Great on Madden. And, uh, oh, let's read some Apple Podcast questions before we go. We're going to take a quick break here on Fantasy Football today. When we come back, some of your Apple Podcast questions, not about Mount Rushmore. Is there an Apple conference call question? Apple conference call right after this. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603. For complete details, the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This is from Bamf. How do I watch you guys on video? Take it away, Jamie. Well, you can check us out on CBS Sports HQ every uh, day during the football season at noon Eastern. But for this week, you can check us out with Fantasy Football yesterday every day at noon Eastern. And on what, Pluto TV? How do we, how do, we do that now? Yes, Pluto TV. We are there. And... I gave the details earlier, Jamie, so thank you for asking me again. Oh, here they are. Um, Pluto TV, uh, Channel 459, the sports section on Channel 459. That's what it was. This is brand new stuff, actually. So Adam will be on two, well, you would have already seen him Tuesday, or you'll see him later today, Tuesday, whenever you listen to this show, uh, and Thursday. And Ben will be on Wednesday and Friday, along with myself, Dave, and Heath on every day. This is from College Math is Hard. I'm a big LSU fan. If I wanted to pick up at least two LSU players, who should they be? Odell Beckham. Not Landry. You can get him at a steal. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Odell Beckham. Yeah, Edwards-Hilaire, Jeff, Jeff, Justin Jefferson. I mean, it depends on the format and everything else. But I was, There's a uh, lot of good LSU players. I was, like inter- I was interviewing DJ Chark at the Pro Bowl, and Tredavious White came over and basically shoved DJ Chark out of the way and was like, if you want to win, you take, I forget what number Chark is, 
17. I think it's 17. 17 and 27. Best way to win in for for our uh, Tigers. He was talking about Fournette. Oh. Yeah, Chark is probably my favorite pick for a cost-considered redraft pick for from LSU. I like Chark a lot this year. Mm-hmm. Well, Adam's taking Justin Jefferson in round six, so. <laughs> or I'm going to get ripped for taking him with the last pick of round eight, and then everyone's going to say I'm taking him in round six, apparently. So that that was... That was bad transaction for me. Hey, well, you'll love this. On the dynasty team we share, fourteenth uh-huh. overall in the rookie draft, steal. I can't wait to DK Metcalf this one, like all the way home. I was the only one who wanted DK Metcalf last year. Genius from Colin, somewhere in Michigan, not named Eats Lansinger, Detroit. Dave. Um, isn't there like a township or something? Yeah, there's there's all kinds of townships. What was the stupid movie with John Cusack where he's a hitman? Somebody cast John Cusack as a Gross hitman. Point Blank? Gross Point. Mm-hmm. Gross Never Point, Michigan. IDP Dynasty question. Okay, this is a mouthful. Here we go. <laughs> I acquire Lamar Jackson, Michael Thomas, a 2021 first-round pick. Good Lord. Matt Judon. And Mark Ingram. A lot of Ravens. I give up Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, Odell Beckham, Joe Burrow, and Brian Burns. I don't know about the IDP side, but I think you won the other side. Yeah, I like it. Yep. Okay. From Queen Leanna. Is that a Game of Thrones character? No. No. She was not a queen. Full PPR. I think that's uh, the old woman, right? I was thinking Leanna Stark. Oh, uh, yeah. Who's the old Queen of the North? She was a queen, Leanna Stark? You're thinking of the, the Tyrell, Lady Tyrell. Yeah. That's who Eisenberg's thinking of. Yeah. Oh. She's like one of the best characters in the whole show. Yeah, she's oh, sure. by far. Yeah. I have Zach Ertz, and I want to make an offer for Kittle. Is Ertz and 1.11 giving too much for Kittle, or is that fair? Should I go for his 3.10, too? I mean, if you can get 3.10, yes, but I think that's fair. Agreed. Ertz could be done after this year. I mean, Yeah. I'm fine with that. In terms of of being like a top-tier tight end. Yeah. Kittle's a tight end one, in my opinion, in in Dynasty. Yeah. And Ertz is... Trending down, so you're yeah you're giving up the 111. That's not great, but you're the gap between those two in dynasty is a lot larger than it sounds. But the, so put it put it in terms of players because now we know where players are going. So you're talking about Ertz and any of Rager, Jefferson. Um, yeah, probably not even Rager, but maybe Jefferson. What maybe about Rugs? Yeah, Rugs Vaughn, Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like that's what you're trading. It's it's a thousand percent worth it. And if you can get the third the third round pick in return, that's great. So what do we learn today, everybody? Randy, Ma- Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski are overrated. I made you laugh. You laughed on that one. <laughs> I didn't hear you. What did you say? You're dumb. <laughs> he learned that you're dumb. That's all he learned. You're just learning this? We've been working together for a decade. Good but day. I love you. I would never call you dumb you until now. Let your two-year-old do it. Uh, well, thank you for for pay, for listening. For um, <laughs> are so, we on the Mount Rushmore podcast after this? I think we're done. I almost said thank you for paying attention. What kind of a thing is that to say? <laughs> That's right. Did you ca- did you catch my math error on Monday's FFT? 
I uh, no, I did it. What'd you do, Dave? Did you catch it? Uh, no. When I subtracted, or maybe 20, I did, and I just forgot what it was. When I subtracted yeah, I 2018 and 1998 and said 30 years, <laughs> I did hear that. I thought you were kidding. I was like, what was that? No, and then I was like, yeah, um, I was so thrown off. <laughs> it happens, man. I want to thank Dave, JB, Heath, Shraggy B, and Simon Eisenberg for coming on the show today. Thank you all for listening. Heath. <laughs> <laughs> Heath is not here. I can call up Heath right now. Yeah. You named you name Jamie's kid before me. <laughs> na 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 na. 